Milkshake Monday, episode 165, God's Heart Examination. I want to share with you something that I was able to learn and decipher this week. I heard the son of Colin Powell, Colin Powell Jr., speak about his father, talk about the fact that there are paper and job-related resumes, but there's also eulogy uh, resumes. And what he was basically saying is that when you come to the conclusion of your life and people reflect on the living legacy that you have, they are going to talk about things that are your character and who you, who you are at the core of who you are. And tonight when I speak about heart, I'm not talking about the coronary artery that pump, pumps blood and water through your body to allow you to have oxygen. I'm talking about the core of who you are in your inner man and what God speaks to when it comes to our heart. And I, I just want us to have that understanding. The reason why I'm going to start with the first scripture is because after the death of my husband, I was surprised as the, a woman going through the loss of a spouse that this is the same probably for a man, but I'm experiencing it for the first time as my own self, that you have this desire to be in relationship again. And that family of who you were as a husband and wife, and I'm not talking about eros love or sex or lust. I'm not talking about that, so don't get that confused. What I'm sharing is that when God says it's not good for man to be alone and he needs a help me, that being a part of a, a union of two people who God joins together as one flesh, that when that flesh, that, that marital relationship is ended because of death, part of your emotional state is wanting companionship. So as that has been on my mind, subtle that it may be, the Lord has reminded me of this scripture over and over again, week after week. And it's for my own safeguarding and protection and caution. And that scripture comes out of 1 Samuel, where God speaks to the situation where Samuel is looking for that anointing of that new king that God is going to identify and that God is speaking the word about man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, when I was thinking about this, as I was contemplating this teaching this week, I can tell you, because I analyze a lot of things. I analyze documents for the, for my job and for the government. I also study pictures. I look at things in detail, even for people man or woman, boy or girl, I look at so many things. You may, uh, I can tell you, how many things do you look at when it comes to what you think about what you see when you see a person? Many of you may say 20 things. I could probably tell you 100 because I have looked from different dimensions of their health or how they are carrying themselves in their professionalism, in their physical makeup, you know, all the things that people look at for, and when God says, don't look at the appearance or their statue, which is their height. There's a lot of things that we as people look at. And so when God was saying, don't look at the outward appearance, and that's what I was taking away is that man looks at the outward appearance. That's how we judge. But God is telling us that he himself looks at the heart. And I wanted to do this teaching on heart examination because I wanted to encourage you that God's word teaches us about everything that he wants us to understand. And some of the things that we're going to talk about tonight are how he's looking at the heart, what he's looking for, 
and some things that he's teaching us straight out of his word. I don't have to embellish anything because God is so clear. And I just pray in the name of Jesus that you allow the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, to allow you to go back and read for yourself the words and the teachings out of the scripture. Let the Holy Spirit teach you. Because once he starts ministering to your heart to open your eyes to see things, you'll have an appreciation of how God wants us to live. And I'm not just talking, waking up and going to do the things we want to do, but how he wants us to grow and develop for his kingdom, for his purposes, for the season that you're in your life, for the divine will of God. And so let's start at 1 Samuel chapter 16, starting at verse 5. Now, God has rejected Saul. And just so you have some insight, Saul, people appreciated him for the way he looked good. And you have a prophet in Samuel who is lamenting over that loss. And if you go to the very beginning of 1 Samuel 16, you'll see that God asked him, how long? You know, God has rejected him. So this is a new season. But look what happens in verse 5. And so he's come and he's going to find one of the boys of Jesse to anoint. And he's meeting these boys. And I want you to see in verse 5. This is Samuel talking. He's talking in response to his coming. And he said, being Samuel, peacefully, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Now look what he does. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons. Now you have to appreciate that the sons that were consecrated were all the sons except for one. If he had had David at that consecration, he wouldn't have had to ask the question, are all of them here? Jesse took it upon himself to invite the sons that he wanted to invite. And says, and he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Verse 6, when they came, he looked. Now this is the Samuel who's the prophet who's been told to go because God has one of these young men that he's going to anoint to be the next king. But the problem with how Jesse does and how some of us does, he looked at the outward appearance. He looked at Eliab and thought, and that's what happens. We get our eyes and what our eyes see and what we discern naturally, not spiritually, supernaturally, we think about it. And the thoughts that we have, like God talks about, his thoughts are far off because we get twisted by using the natural appearance of what we see and not understanding how God is supernatural. And it says, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Here's the key operative, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. When I kept listening to that, looking at that, I kept repeating it. I was repeating it over and over again. And I said, God, yes. how do yes. you look? How do you see? And of course, we can't put a finite discussion of how God sees because he's all his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Good evening and welcome to Milkshake Monday, uh, part two. We had some technical difficulties. Thank you all for being patient. Uh, we're going to be out of uh, 1 
1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 5 through 13. And we are talking in episode 165 about God's examination of the heart. When we look at what God says in verse that God listens to what we share. And I wanted to take us to the rest of that scripture, which says verse 8. Then Jesse called Abimadad and made him pass before the Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Verse 9, and Jesse made Shammah pass, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. Again, God just told Samuel that he does not look and does not see what man sees. He does not look at the outward appearance of how tall or what stature. He looks at the heart. But that's the first thing that you see that is being recounted about David. And even when God says, don't look at the outward appearance or somebody's stature when it comes to how they are with their relationship to God. We find ourselves, oh, that preacher looks good. He's gone to college. He's got a PhD. He's got to be smart. What does his heart speak to you? What does God say about him? Have you been in intercessory prayer asking God about the preacher or the deacon or the trustee? Don't go by, they got a great job. Oh, they got a this. Oh, they look good in a suit. That's outward appearance things when God is saying looking at the heart. But look at what they do. They go down and look at the outward appearance of the very one that God's going to anoint. It says, verse 13, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him. I apologize. Let me go back to verse 12 and finish it. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him. For this is he. In some translations, this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Can you see how God had already seen the heart of David? He didn't care about the beauty or the ruddiness or whatever the other people were seeing on the outside appearance. He was seeing the heart of David. And he recognized in that heart is what he would use to lead his people. Since they rejected God as being their king, they wanted an earthly king. They wanted a man. But see, they picked the wrong man because they looked at the outward. And God wanted someone with a heart toward him. So I want you all to go, and I want you all to appreciate something we're going to find in a second. Before we get to Matthew 12:34. I wanted you to see that in that chapter of Matthew 12, there's two critical pieces to it before you get to 34. We're going to do one now, and we're going to do one at the end. Verses 1 through 8, I want you to see because Christ is showing us something about how the Pharisees and how some of us even now, we will get so locked stock on what we see in our traditions that we forget that the Lord is divine. He's sovereign. It's his commandments. It's not our traditions. It's not what we used to be doing in our programs. These things are things that God is doing because the things
his heart and our heart is that we're supposed to be linked to him. We're supposed to be following after his commandments. We're supposed to have and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not seek first our programs, our opinions, our thoughts, our ways, our laws. We're supposed to be doing things for the Lord. And look at what happens in verse 12. This is a story about Christ and his disciples going through the fields and they got hungry. And they started to, again, with this thing about the Sabbath and how man could get so hung up on the traditions that they forget about the Savior. It says, about that time, Jesus was walking one day through some grain fields with his disciples. It was on the Sabbath, the Jewish day of worship, and his disciples were hungry. So they began breaking off heads of wheat and eating the grain. But some Pharisees saw them do it and protested. Your disciples are breaking the law. They are harvesting on the Sabbath. But Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read what King David did? That same King David that we just saw in 1 Samuel 16. What King David did when he and his friends were hungry, he went into the temple and they ate the special bread permitted to the priest alone. That was breaking the law too. And haven't you ever read in the law of Moses how the priest on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath and truly one is here who is greater than the temple. But if you had known, if you had known the meaning of the scripture, of the scripture verse, I want you to be merciful more than I want you your offerings. You would not have condemned those who aren't guilty. For I, the Messiah and Master, am Master even of the Sabbath. This is where Christ is trying to show that there's something going awry with the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, that they're taking things that they're calling things guilty, where this is Christ himself. They're not looking at the heart of the situation or what's going on or what God is looking at. They're going to the outward appearance of what they see. Oh, they're breaking by eating things on the Sabbath. They're telling us to Christ, the Messiah. But look what happens in verse 34. Jump down to the same chapter, but verse 34. Because we've always heard the scripture, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And this is one of the things that God talked to me about, how he examines our heart. You would say when he said in that scripture that God looks at the heart, looking we see with our eyeballs, but God listens to ascertain the depth and the sincerity of what's going on in your inner yourself, your inner man. He listens to your mouth. He listens to what you say. But when you see the very beginning of verse 34 of chapter 12, you will see that it talks about brood of vipers, generation of snakes, that this is just not something for what's going on with you, but this happened with your parents, your grandparents, your, your elders. This is something that's being passed down, that this is something that what's going into priority of your heart in your life is not what God wants. In 
and what not what his commandments are, not what he's saying is important, not his Messiah, Jesus Christ, not the word of Christ, the love of Christ, the truth of Christ, but what's been passed down through your traditions and through your family lineage of snakes and vipers. I didn't put these words. I'm going to give you a couple of translations that these words are being said. So in CEB translations, it says children of snakes. How can you speak good things while you are evil? What fills the heart comes out of the mouth. The King James. Oh, generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The ASV, ye offspring of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's similar. I'm going to go to another that's AMPC. You offspring of vipers, how can you speak good things when you're evil, wicked? For out of the fullness, the overflow, the superabundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I love that one. That's the one I wanted to end as far as, there's different translations. But the superabundance of what we are pouring in, our mouth is speaking. And before you speak out of your mouth, it processes through your mind and through your brain. So God, he listens what's coming out of your mouth because he's seeing what you're pouring in. He's seeing that you have these titles, you have these, these positions, all these things that he sees that you seem to be inflated and with pride, but that mouth gives it away, what's inside. People can pretend, put on airs, do all this stuff, but eventually they'll open their mouth and what pours out of their mouth. So even when it came to me thinking about a future companion, the Lord let me know, don't look at their outward appearance. Because I can tell you all something. My husband that went is in glory, if you looked at him outwardly, you say, I'm going to pass. But I can tell you that if you knew him inwardly like God knew him, and like I had 25 years to know him, magnificent love for God abundant love for God. All that exterior stuff that we are so stuck on, it doesn't matter because if you have somebody that looks good like Saul and has a heart that's not after God and wants to just do his own thing, you're going to have a mess. But if you have a man or a woman that loves God, that wants to seek after the will of God, that wants to study to know the truth of God, that's the heart that God is going to say, that's a man after my own heart because he loves me more than he loves himself. He wants to follow after me, not himself. That's why God says, if you want to follow me, you have to deny self. Let's go to another passage of scripture because we have Proverbs. And in our learning of Proverbs, it's speaking to us about God's examination of the heart. And we have to start meditating on his word, taking the time to read and study. So let's go to Proverbs chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. I want to go through this timely because I want you to get to John 19 when we get there. Because God shows us in everything that he wants us to learn, he shows us through Jesus Christ. And I'm going to get to that passage so we can see Jesus, we can listen to Jesus, and we can see the outpouring of the heart of love and fulfillment of God's holy plan. So we're at Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. It says, My son, if you receive my words 
and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. God is showing us emphatically that that heart, that inner man, if we would take the time to learn of him, his commandments, and seek his wisdom and the understanding of who God is, what his truth is, what is his divine plan, and seek that, all the pouring of the abundance in our heart will get poured in through the spirit of God. And when we open our mouth, when we live our lives, when we go for the insight to make decisions, we'll have that discerning knowledge of what does God want. And you'll slow down and say, not my will, but thy will be done. And you have the wisdom to know when people said, my mom kept telling me today, you know, we have an appointment for a medical thing. And I said, Lord willing, mom, I will be able to do this. Because I have to ask God's will and understand that it's got to be his will that I'll be able to do that. That's why we can't make all these plans because we have to say, if it be the Lord's will. And really mean it because if God tells you no and stop and he puts a roadblock, you have to honor God because it's your protection. Now let's go to this. Proverbs 3, 1 through 7. I'm reading this because another part that God told me to listen is don't, don't when physically understanding about God's understanding of the examination of the heart, it's a listening but also it's a recognition that for those of us who say we love the Lord Jesus Christ, it's all our ways. And in all our ways, we're supposed to acknowledge him. But here's the thing too, lean not to our own understanding. When it comes to the wisdom that he talked about in Proverbs 2, it was his wisdom, his commandments, his insights, his knowledge and understanding for our hearts. So when the time comes for us to make decisions, go left, go right, he's wanting us to acknowledge him for his direction. So let's look at Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 7. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Verse 5. But we've already talked about the heart twice before we get to verse 5. We remember 5, but look at what he said in the preceding verses before you get there. Verse 5 says, trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's the thing that I think we all struggle with. We say it, but trust in God with all your heart. Every decision, everything that we can think of to trust God enough to know that he knows the beginning, middle, and end. He knows you. Remember where Peter was told by Christ, you're going to be offended tonight, everybody. And Peter said, oh, no, 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 Lord, everybody else, but not me. And Jesus had to let him know that he understood him better than he understood himself. And that three times he would deny him before the cock crew. That rooster was going to crow and show him Christ knows him better. That's why we have to trust in the Lord 
with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding because our own understanding is biased toward us doing what's right. It's biased that we know what to do. It's biased that we have wisdom to do what we need to do. In reality, we don't know. We are children. God is our father. He's all knowing. He's eternal. He's divine. He's sovereign. We have to go to him because we can't trust with the natural man, the selfish part of what we will do from day to day because we change. But God does not change. He doesn't lie. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. That's why it says, trust in the Lord. Trust him. And it says, with all your heart, not part of it, not the part that's religious on Sunday, religious on Wednesday night Bible class, Monday night milkshake Monday, Friday night Bible class, all your heart, all day, every day, with all the decisions from family members to finances to your health to every part of your being. You can't segment and say, okay, God, I got this part. Because this is where the problem, why he says, and lean not to your own understanding, because we think we're smarter than God. All of the technology that we have tells us, and we think it proves, hey, we're smart enough to do all the medicine. We're smart enough to do the television. We're smart enough to do the radio waves. We're smart to even, even to figure out climate. We're smart enough to do things about animals, God. We're smart enough to do the trees and the birds and the bees. Really? No, that's a lie of the devil. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. How God examines our hearts, that God's heart examination is those of us who are willing to trust those are willing those of us who are willing to listen to his word to follow his commandments to deny ourselves now let's go to the last part because i want you all to see in the scriptures because christ is on every page that we should always find him so if you go to john chapter 19 we're going to be in verse 25 going through 34 because on the cross now if you if you heard what i said we've seen in scriptures says that christ wasn't something to look on, you know, as far as they didn't give him a beauty contest. But you heard that the Lord said, this is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. We're going to listen to what Christ talks about, because as we listen to him on the cross, knowing that he's on the cross, that act, he followed what Christ, what we learned in Proverbs 3. He trusted in the Lord with all his heart. He didn't lean to his own understanding in all his ways. He acknowledged his father in all his ways. He let his father direct his path and it directed him on a cross for our salvation. But listen to what Christ says on the cross and you can hear the examination of the heart that the father knew about his son, that he told us, this is my beloved son because he knows his son. He knows his son understands his wisdom, his understanding, his insight, his truth. And look what, let's start at verse 25 of John 19. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing by, now he loved, John. 
He saw something in John's heart because look what he's going to do with the mother, the natural biological mother. I mean, in the sense that he was conceived with the Holy Spirit. So I'm just saying the woman that was taking care of him to be his mother. He said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. Out of his mouth was love pouring out to say, I'm making sure she's taken care of. I'm entrusting her to a man that loves me, that loves my father's commandments. I'm entrusting him because I'm not looking at his outward appearance. Christ didn't say nothing about, oh, John, you got enough money, you got enough house, you got enough this, that, and the other. He's saying, behold your mother, behold your son. He's entrusting, that's love for his mother. That's love for his friend that he trusts. But look what it continues to say. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, what does he understand? His father asked him to do some things. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. The path that the Lord, his father, directed him, he has done everything and it's accomplished. And you see that in verse 20, in verse 30, it says, so when Jesus, so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Father, he's finished what the father has asked him to do. His heart was to do what the Lord says. It wasn't about his outward appearance. It wasn't about any of that. His stature, it was about, he wanted to be about his father's business. That was his heart. That was his heart. Even when you saw him in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thy will be done. He showed his heart from beginning to end. And you see, as you keep reading the scriptures, now we're going to talk about his physical heart. I told you the inner man. Well, Christ is going to give up his ghost. But I want you all to see that even if I were to do, y'all heard about an MRI too, and y'all heard of autopsy. The MRI of doing an investigation and examination of Jesus' heart has shown that every point of his fiber from Genesis to Revelation showed his heart for the Father and for the Father's divine will. And at the end of his life, this natural life where he was taking human flesh, the flesh that was pierced was his heart. That blood and water that poured out, because they, the scripture says his, bro, his bones would not be broken. But what they did at the end is that soldier came and pierced him in that physical heart. Because that body and that, that died had given everything that it had toward the, what thus saith the Lord, what his father's will was for us. And what you read here, it says, let's go at verse 32. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who were crucified with him. Verse 33. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. And, and I wanted you all to understand something. That the reason why I said about Matthew 12, this is the last part of Matthew 12 I wanted you all to hear from the Lord's word himself. Matthew 12, verses 18 to 21, knowing what the picture we just saw on the cross of Christ 
in his heart, his heart to love us, his heart to sacrifice his life that had no sin for us, to wash away our sinful behavior, to allow us to have his righteousness. When we go to see the Father, the Father doesn't look at us with any resume that we have. He goes and sees us through the Son, Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice. And look what it says, Matthew 12, verse 18 through 21. Look at my servant. See my chosen one. He is my beloved in whom my soul delights. I will put my spirit upon him and he will judge the nations. He does not fight nor shout. He does not raise his voice. He does not crush the weak or quench the smallest hope. He will end all conflict with his final victory and his name shall be the hope of all the world. That's Jesus Christ. That's Jesus Christ. So I want us to be encouraged that God's heart examination, it is shown in Jesus Christ, that he, once we have that new birth experience, that inner man, that, that the new creation, that new birth, that's because of Jesus, because his sacrifice. He wants us to have that new birth experience to know that we came into this world sinners, but we don't have to leave without that right relationship with Jesus Christ, who God has examined his heart and said, this is my beloved son. This is my son who's willing to love you so much that he's willing to die and let himself be spit upon and beard pulled out and crosses put on his head and take the sacrifice of having a sinless life and let his dead body even be pierced because he loves each one of us so much. And it's us who have to repent and come before Christ and say, forgive me of my sins and believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. There's no alternate ways to get to the father. He is the only way to get to the father through the son. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And I just pray I've had so much technical difficulties tonight. It's somebody that's going to listen tonight that God wants to reach for salvation. And Satan has done everything he could today to say, no, we don't want this. But in the name of Jesus, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit, I pray that you really stop and ask God into your life. Ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life and accept his free gift of salvation, Lord. I pray that if you have not done it, don't wait. Don't wait because we do not know who is going to face tomorrow. There are children, 20 years old, 10 years old, that are being murdered. And we just have to ask God to save us today if we don't know who he is. And I pray that those of you who hear the teachings week after week, don't just hear for yourself. I think it's wonderful that saved people listen to these teachings. But this is for us to share with those people that don't want to go to church. Those people that don't know that they are not, they don't have to do something to earn salvation. Christ came knowing that we were sinners. And his, his salvation is for all of us. It's not as well that any should perish, but we as saints of God have to share the message of truth. The word of God says, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. I pray tonight in the name of Jesus that we start to examine ourselves to be a part of the labor force. I love you and God bless you. Lord willing, see you next week.